Welcome to Dementia Dialogue. This episode is the first in our fifth season of Dementia Dialogue. A biomarker is a term that many of us have heard with increasing frequency and is the focus of this episode and the one following. Today, you will hear an interview that I conducted with Dr. Mari DeMarco from University of British Columbia and the principal researcher in a study referred to as Impact AD. Dr. DeMarco will explain just what a biomarker is, how it is connected to Alzheimer's disease and other dementias, and how it can help in managing dementia. The future looks promising in helping with earlier and more certain diagnosis. I spoke with Dr. DeMarco about a month ago from her lab at UBC. So I'd like to uh, welcome you, Dr. DeMarco, to this uh, discussion on Dementia Dialogue regarding biomarkers and the uh, exceptional work that you've done uh, in both uh, working on the biomarker itself, but also in studying the value of this procedure to people uh, with lived experience, people with dementia themselves and their caregivers. I think that's really one of the outstanding aspects of your work from my perspective. Not knowing very much about biomarkers, but something about uh, lived experience. So, Great. Thank you, David. I'm happy to be here and excited to be able to, to share what we've learned through our work with patients and care partners and physicians. I'm wondering if you could uh, open up our discussion by just explaining a little bit of what a biomarker is in general, and then what its specific uh, manifestation or contribution is in terms of uh, Alzheimer's disease. Sure. The the biomarker testing program we're going to be talking about today supports earlier and more accurate diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease in people that are showing the signs and symptoms of the disease. And by earlier diagnosis, I mean that this biomarker helps us identify the disease earlier in the disease course when symptoms might be very, very mild and where it might not have been possible otherwise to make a confident diagnosis. Where an individual maybe in the past might have had to wait for symptoms to worsen before the doctor could arrive at a more definitive diagnosis. Right. So a biomarker is, in other terms, an indicator. Would that be fair exactly. to say? Exactly that. And the word biomarker might sound unfamiliar to most, but I bet everybody listening knows what a biomarker is. They just might not have heard that term. Um, and a biomarker everybody probably knows about is cholesterol, for example. Cholesterol is a biomarker of heart health, and we measure the amount of cholesterol um, in our blood so we can have a signal of health or disease. And that's just generally what a biomarker is. It's a substance floating around in our body that can give us the sign of health or disease. And, and so for Alzheimer's testing, we look at biomarkers that are reflective of the changes that are happening in the brain as a result of Alzheimer's disease. Right. Now, in addition then to uh, examining uh, biomarkers, what other work is needed to provide a diagnosis of uh, Alzheimer's disease from your perspective? 
That's a great question because even before a doctor would consider ordering this biomarker testing or recommending that you consider having this testing done, they would collect a lot of other information about um, your general health and specifically your brain health. This can include things like pen and paper tests to assess, uh, assess different types of memory, as well as assessments of your speech, uh, your gait, and your general coordination. Your doctor might also recommend that you have an imaging test like a CT or an MRI so that they can see images of your brain. You know, more often than not, with all this information, your doctor can arrive at a confident diagnosis. However, in some cases, additional testing of these Alzheimer's biomarkers can really provide that extra little piece of information that helps your doctor arrive at a, a confident diagnosis. Yes, I've interviewed uh you know many people over the years and one of the uh, one of the biggest challenges i'll say in the diagnostic process is arriving at at that level of confidence you know it may be that there's an uncertainty there's different types of dementia as you're aware of and some people are diagnosed with one type and then their conditions and symptoms evolve and then another type seems to be more dominant inserting a level of of confidence and reliability into the diagnostic process, I think is really uh, will contribute uh, to people's sense of uh, confidence and well-being. Yeah, absolutely. And I should mention that these these biomarkers are looking or reflecting the changes happening in your brain, as I mentioned, as a result of Alzheimer's, but they don't change this way as part of normal aging and they don't change this way um, with other neurodegenerative diseases. Right. Okay. Now, the two biomarkers that are used in your work, Dr. DeMarco, are amyloid beta and tau, both of which can be retrieved from cerebral spinal fluid obtained through a procedure known as a lumbar puncture. I am wondering if you might describe a little bit of why you're looking at cerebral spinal fluid. Yeah, we look at the biomarkers in cerebral spinal fluid kind of the same way we look for cholesterol in blood. But so instead of blood here, we're using cerebral spinal fluid. Um, and we use cerebral spinal fluid because measuring the biomarkers in that fluid provides the best accuracy for diagnosing Alzheimer's disease. And as you can imagine, that's the fluid surrounding your brain. So it's in contact with the changes that are happening in your brain as a result of Alzheimer's disease. The good news is that we only need a small drop of this fluid um, to do this testing. So a very small amount is needed. Also, patients who have undergone this testing have reported back to us that the procedure to collect the cerebral spinal fluid called the lumbar puncture, it wasn't a barrier for them to, you know, get this testing done. And it's far more straightforward um, than maybe common perceptions around uh, a lumbar puncture uh, would have you believe. One of the other uh... A point I think that you made, uh, Dr. DeMarco, in your in our earlier conversation, was around uh, the fact that cerebral spinal fluid and a lumbar puncture are much more able to be collected. I'll I'll just use that word collected. It's it's collecting a sample, so is is more able to be collected than such as an MRI scan that you know is a bit more complex is not available in every region of the country for sure. 
Yeah, so we, you know, I mentioned that that imaging of the brain that we can do, um, but that just tells us kind of areas of the brain that might be affected. It doesn't tell us what's happening really in that region. And so these biomarkers, and we're actually referring to two proteins. I'm using the term biomarker generally, but two uh, two types of proteins called amyloid beta peptides and tau proteins. And those are the proteins that clump together in the brain. Um, in Alzheimer's disease. And they also float around in cerebral spinal fluid. So we can get the sort of signature from measuring these biomarkers, these amyloid beta peptides and tau proteins by taking a small sample of cerebral spinal fluid. And that's much more specific for Alzheimer's disease than something like these imaging tests. Okay. We're going to be doing a second episode discussing the involvement of people in the study uh, who have uh, lived experience. But I'm wondering if you might comment today around the involvement of clinicians. And I know that you uh, canvassed clinicians that were participating to see how they uh, experienced the results of the study, what value they saw, how would it improve their practice? Yeah, absolutely. In the the impact AD study to which you're referring, we had a a few different arms. One of them you mentioned is getting the um, feedback from persons with lived experience. So having considered getting testing done, gone through the testing and, you know, how they implemented uh, that in their daily lives. And as you mentioned, the other arm was how this affected medical care. So how did this change what physicians were doing? And, and so in addition to these patients and their care partners, their family and friends, we're also grateful to all the physicians who spent all these times helping us uh, better understand how they utilized uh, this information from, the, from testing. Um, and so we did find a lot of different positive impacts and maybe I'll just mention a few uh, since we, <laughs> we don't have hours here together. Um, But one of them, of course, is that it helped them arrive at a specific diagnosis. And it's maybe something we can discuss further on, um, you know, related to differentiating differentiating between different types of dementia. It also helped guide appropriate use of medications. So there are some symptomatic treatments for Alzheimer's disease. And we found that those with a positive signature for Alzheimer's, there was an increase in utilization of this medication. And those that were found uh, to be negative for the signature, um, there was a decrease in utilization as would be appropriate. The other thing we found is it reduced this testing. It reduced the need for additional healthcare appointments to help figure out what's going on. And that included things like costly and time-consuming diagnostic studies, like we talked about these CT or or brain imaging. Now, you mentioned about the uh, differential diagnosis, that there are several different kinds of dementias. And using the amyloid beta and tau biomarker, you're able to be more accurate in your d- diagnosis of the different types of dementia. I think that's really critical, especially in the case, uh, we just finished a series on uh, young onset dementia, and many of those folks uh, ended up having frontotemporal dementia. And it it was the uncertainty around that diagnosis that really confounded the condition in the early stages. How does that work that you're able to make that differentiation? Yeah, that's the really sneaky thing about these different forms of dementia is that they can mimic one another. 
So dementia is that big, broad umbrella term for all of these different types of uh, disorders like Alzheimer's disease, frontal temporal dementia, Lewy body dementia, uh, and many more, right? So that's sort of that dementia term is very generic. Um, but at that, you know, at that disease level, whether it's Alzheimer's or frontal temporal dementia or Lewy body dementia, uh, we're, we're getting down to that protein level, that biomarker level and what's different about them. But when you, when persons first present with symptoms, they can really overlap between all these different disorders, um, in part because the symptoms are particularly mild when they first start. And it's not uncommon that a doctor will be able to kind of whittle down the possible diagnosis to maybe one or two or three possible forms, like, as you mentioned, Alzheimer's disease versus frontal temporal dementia. And these biomarkers we talked about for Alzheimer's disease are being used actively in this exact setting where maybe a doctor has whittled it down to FTD, uh, frontal temporal dementia versus Alzheimer's disease. And then they use the biomarkers to figure out which one it is. So again, these biomarkers change in a specific way in Alzheimer's disease, and we don't see that change in frontal temporal dementia. So in that way, they can help differentiate between these two. I'm wondering how a listener might be able to have access to the kind of investigation that you're talking about. And, and maybe I'd answer that by starting with maybe who shouldn't get testing. Um, so if you are not experiencing any challenges with your brain health, your memory, um, other things like that, this testing is not for you. This testing is only for people who are experiencing the signs and symptoms um, of Alzheimer's disease. Now on the flip side, who it's for, if you are experiencing issues with your brain health, maybe you're noticing you're having trouble with certain tasks you used to routinely perform. Uh, maybe you're observing your loved one and their behavior has changed in some way that is troubling you. Please reach out to your primary care doctor. They're your first point of contact. And your family doctor will, uh, do those assessments we talked about earlier, at least some of them. Um, and that might be where your, your journey ends and your family practitioner can offer you some uh, guidance as how to handle it. In a select cases, they might refer you to a specialist, like a neurologist or a geriatrician. It's at that level that biomarker testing is considered. So the specialist might would likely do additional testing even before they considered uh, you having additional biomarker testing. So it's really at that specialist level for persons who are experiencing the signs and symptoms. It's not to, testing isn't for those who are healthy, but wanna see maybe one day down the road, will I get Alzheimer's disease? This is not who testing is meant for. I think I mentioned earlier that um, it's not in all cases that the biomarker testing is needed. Sometimes your doctor can arrive at a, a confident diagnosis without it. Um, and sometimes they might find it helpful and they would talk to you about it and see if it's something you would be interested in pursuing and you would make that decision together whether you wanted to pursue testing or not. Yeah. One of the uh, problems in the development of drug interventions is that the diagnosis of the disease has been so late that the symptoms of the disease are are already firmly uh, in in hand in the person's experience, or the uh, diagnosis is again uncertain, and uh, moving to a drug intervention in a 
uncertain situation doesn't produce confident results either. I'm wondering how you might, about your thoughts about the use of biomarkers as a promising practice in terms of the development of more effective pharmaceuticals for people. Yeah, and uh, we're, I think the whole community is excited to see this positive progression in potential drug therapies for Alzheimer's disease that could help delay um, progression of symptoms with the ultimate goal, hopefully, of, of stopping them all together one day, but certainly some exciting developments. Um, and biomarkers are perhaps the hidden success story behind these. Um, that is that, oh, you know, maybe a decade ago, we weren't using biomarkers as part of these trials to figure out who should get into the trial. And we figured out that a lot of the people who were in the Alzheimer's disease arms of the trial didn't actually have the pathology we were studying. So it really wreaked havoc on these drug trials. And now no drug trial goes forward without biomarker evidence of the disease, just because of how powerful it is for uh, timely and accurate diagnosis. Also helping push these drug trials, as you mentioned, we used to study the disease and try and intervene far later in the disease course, which of course is challenging for any disease to try and intervene once most of the damage has been done. Um, and availability of these biomarkers has really pushed um, interventions earlier to the milder stages of the disease where there's greater promise that we could have a greater impact. I think that's one area. The other is when we think about when they are available, when we can actually use these drugs to treat Alzheimer's disease, that the majority of them target directly that pathology I talked about that's happening in the brain of individuals with Alzheimer's. They're directly attacking those amyloid beta plaques or those tau proteins that clump together. And so if you don't have that pathology, then these drugs aren't going to help you. And one of the ways we can assess whether this drug could help you is by measuring these biomarkers to see if you likely have this pathology and therefore would likely benefit from the drug. Right, so it's kind of a, it's both in terms of um, ensuring that the right people are participating in the uh, study and that they're participating in a uh, at the right time in their disease process. Yeah, definitely in the development space, uh, phase. And then when we, of course, hopefully one day can implement these drugs in, in, in care for persons with Alzheimer's disease, that we can do that same thing is intervene early and making sure we're identifying the people with Alzheimer's correctly so that they can get access to the right drug. As you know, Alzheimer's disease and dementia is one of the most feared conditions in the population. And uh, I'm sure you, as, as I have come across people who are uh, anxious uh, regarding the condition and talk about the uh, possibility of finding out that you've got the potential to develop Alzheimer's disease or a more likely potential to develop Alzheimer's disease than otherwise, and that it could create the availability of, of that kind of a test could create a huge anxiety within uh, people. But on the other hand, it is something that people talk about. So I think it's important, and I, I'd like you to just kind of revisit again, what are what 
is that how do we address that interest in the population around the screening idea? I'd, I'd like to know whether or not I'm likely going to develop the condition. So I think first off is to relay any fears. We don't have this kind of test, right? We don't have a test that's good enough to be able to do this. So you can't run out and get this kind of testing. Um, uh, and I think you mentioned young onset dementia where we're talking about some of the rare forms of familial forms of Alzheimer's disease. And familial doesn't mean, oh, just because I had someone in my family that had it. It means specific genetic cases um, where uh, a mutation in a gene causes Alzheimer's. And that's a very, very small number of, of cases relative to the total number of cases of Alzheimer's disease. Most are not caused that we know of by any kind of uh, genetic, direct genetic factor. So we can't just test your genes for them. So I would say with a screening biomarker, should we have one? We have to understand that that's a hypothetical. Um, and that the biomarkers we talked about today that are really accurate for diagnosing Alzheimer's disease are not used in this context of screening, um, that they're not used for testing people that aren't symptomatic. But I think what's interesting to note, and if we pretend we did have a screening biomarker, is what would we do about it? And the good thing is that we know um, you know, the past couple of years, there's a lot of research coming out about modifiable risk factors for dementia. So things that you and I can change to reduce our risk for dementia. And the good news is we don't even need a biomarker <laughs> to tell us to do these, right? And we should all be doing them. Uh, and generally, these are things that are, you know, uh, good for general health, um, exercise, stopping smoking. Having your hearing, your, hearing tested. Checking your hearing. Exactly. And so I would say our, our screening biomarker for dementia, we could pretend is age. So we all know we're going to get older. So we should all work on our modifiable risk factors to reduce our risk for developing dementia, including Alzheimer's. Right. So age is the uh, known and the ready, uh, readily available biomarker that... Uh, yeah. Right. We, we all have access to that one. It's cheap. You can get the test anywhere. <laughs> now, uh, doc, I, Dr. DeMarco, I'm interested in knowing of how you see the, you know, the future of your work or where, you know, what's the next challenge that needs to be... Uh, addressed in the research that you're doing? Yeah, well, with the, um, the impact AD study, we really sought out to, to get a better understanding of how diagnostic testing for Alzheimer's impacts um, all these facets of both care and, and personal decision-making, um, because we really wanted to inform this positive change in the healthcare system and support individuals living with Alzheimer's disease. And we did that by in part, actually moving this test from the research sphere into routine care in Canada. So it is accessible to anyone in Canada. So our next frontiers for us, as you mentioned, one of the big ones is supporting diagnosis of, of other neurodegenerative diseases. So we talked about the big one, we talked about Alzheimer's, um, and we're working on some specific biomarkers that could help tease out, of course, these other forms of dementia. Of course, the other hot area uh, that we're working in is blood-based biomarkers for Alzheimer's. 
it adds a lot of complication <laughs> to testing. Uh, surprisingly, blood would seem easier, I'm sure, to most people. But in fact, these cerebral spinal fluid tests are, are really good, uh, really accurate, don't have a lot of confounding factors. But we are examining what could be helpful from a blood-based biomarker perspective to help maybe reduce, for example, the number of lumbar punctures uh, individuals would have and make testing a little bit more accessible. You um, mentioned about other neurodegenerative diseases. I wonder if you might just, you know, name a few for our listeners. Sure. We have, um, we talked a little bit about frontal temporal dementia and um, it, it's actually quite a, a heterogeneous disease and has a few, uh, you know, subtypes underneath it. And we talked about in Alzheimer's, these amyloid beta peptides and tau proteins clumping together in the brain. In frontal temporal degeneration, there's different types of protein that clump together in the brain. So tau is one of them, um, but tau in the absence of these amyloid beta clumps. Um, another protein called TDP43 is another important target. Um, and we know that that overlaps as well with ALS. So there's an overlap with frontal temporal uh, dementia and ALS with this particular TDP43 type of pathology. Um, another big one is, is Lewy body dementia and Parkinson's disease dementia, which are associated with clumps of this protein called alpha-synuclein in the brain. And so these affect different areas in the brain and thus present symptomatically a little bit differently. Um, but underlying that, of course, is very different pathology that's happening in the brain. So different proteins that are clumping together, which gives us great hope to develop specific biomarkers for each of these other types of neurodegeneration in addition to Alzheimer's. And these other conditions, the cerebral spinal fluid can produce um, data, if you will, can, can inform you as to what is the condition that the person's experiencing? Well, that's an active area of research for my lab, looking at different biomarkers than we're looking at in Alzheimer's disease to identify these specific signatures, kind of like what we have for Alzheimer's disease, but for these other neurodegenerative disorders. Well, I want to thank you for uh, your time today and for the conversation. Many of our guests with lived experience spoke about the difficulty in obtaining a diagnosis in terms of access and certainty. Some people experienced multiple assessments, changing diagnosis, and prolonged anxiety. Dr. DeMarco and her colleagues' work using the two biomarkers, amyloid beta and tau, found in cerebral spinal fluid will resolve some of this uncertainty in regard to Alzheimer's disease, contribute to developing more effective drug therapies, and advance care for people with some other neurological disorders. I encourage you to go to the study website, www.impact.org, to find out more about the study and biomarkers. Our show note has a link to a great presentation Dr. DeMarco made describing biomarkers. There are guides for both clinicians and people considering a test, including how a lumbar puncture procedure is performed. Regarding accessibility, testing is available to anyone in Canada who is experiencing symptoms of dementia, based on an order from a physician specializing in dementia care a person would have a sample collected at a local medical facility 
and then the sample is shipped to the National Alzheimer's Disease Biomarker Testing Program for analysis. This program is located at St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver. Results are then sent to the ordering physician and the physician would set an appointment to discuss the results with the patient and answer any questions. In my mind, one of the unique aspects of the Impact AD study was the attention to the experience of people being tested and their care partners. Our next episode is an interview with Anne Bill and her daughter Christy and Kushbu Patel, a research associate of Dr. DeMarco. We appreciate the support of Roche Canada, our sponsor for these episodes on biomarkers. Roche is a global pioneer in pharmaceuticals and diagnostics focused on advancing science to improve people's lives. Roche is committed to the development of better, more accessible diagnostics and holistic healthcare solutions targeting the key pathways implicated in Alzheimer's disease. Roche Canada shares in the excitement across the Alzheimer's community right now and the hope for continued progress for people living with Alzheimer's disease, as well as their caregivers, families, and communities. Thanks also to the Center for Education and Research on Aging and Health at Lakehead University, our institutional partner, and to the Public Health Agency of Canada for its financial support. We can deliver our episodes to your inbox if you write to us at dementia.dialogue at lakeheadu.ca. Please follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. My name is David Harvey.